0: Linda Kipriadakis is the Senior Managing Director of the Diverse Group of Companies. These companies are currently engaged in facilities management contracts with over 30 commercial properties in Queensland, specialising in building management and advocacy services, compliance management and project management of capital works. Linda is also a director of ABMA, which stands for Australian Building Management Accreditation. ABMA develops and regulates the ABMA Building Management Code. The code is produced and maintained under the direction of the ABMA Independent Review Panel. The primary goal of the ABMA Code is to achieve a nationally consistent minimum standard of delivery in building management activities, including compliance with third-party contracts as well as associated acts, standards, regulations and codes of practice. Today, I am delighted to welcome Linda Kipriadakis. Welcome, Linda. Hello. Thank you. Great to be here. Such a pleasure to have you, Linda. And... I was talking to you only recently when the ABMA code was being launched down here in New South Wales after a very successful launch in Queensland. And I was just so impressed with your knowledge of the code, your experience in the building management industry. And I thought, Linda, you have to come on this podcast. We have to share this knowledge. So thank you so much for joining us. That's great. Thank you. That's (laughs) very kind. And I'm going to start, Linda, by asking you to tell us a little bit about how the ABMA code came to be developed.
1: Okay. Well, it is a bit of a long story, but um, I'll try and keep it brief. I tend to waffle on when I'm talking about my passion. <laughs> about five years ago, a group of us here in Queensland got together to discuss issues emerging around compliance and the maintenance of common property. So there were a, group, a couple of lawyers and some brokers that sold management rights up here and some consultants around compliance and. And we sort of had a a whinge fest, I guess, for a few hours. And at the end of it, we all sort of stood there a bit deflated with an accord that issues were arising out of lack of knowledge, Mm. lack of training, and nowhere to go to define an objective standard around the maintenance of common property. So we decided to convene another get-together about three or four months later, and it was just the same thing. We went round and round in circles. But what we did leave feeling is that at that stage, you know, four or five years ago, there was no facilities management focused training programs available. There was certainly no um, guides or assistance around maintenance. So a group of us set about putting together a little guidebook, basically for facilities managers. So, you know, I have some staff and I was sick to death of repeating myself. So I thought <laughs> I'll write this down and. And anyway, it grew. And last year, Paul and I got together and we decided, well, let's just make this beneficial for everybody. And we pulled together an independent review panel of about 25 experts Mm. in our industry. So this was a cross sectorial collaboration. We had lawyers practicing in both spheres of our space, representing facilities managers or others representing, you know, community bodies corporate. We also had representation from all the major membership associations like the SCA and ARAMA and um, the Chinese Building Managers Association called Australian Property Managers Alliance and mm. Build Service Contractors Association. We had 25 odd people So we provided a manuscript, a draft of about 300 pages and yeah, we worked for about two months and harvested feedback and then we edited, pulled bits out, put bits in and lo and behold, we had the first edition of the ABMA Building Management Code, which Mm. we published on the 1st of January this year.
0: It's amazing that you were able to do so much with so many and involving so many experts from different sectors in such a short space of time. I think it's amazing. And I've seen the finished product, the code and how lengthy it is, how detailed it is and how spot on it is, I must say. And, you know, hats off to you and to Paul Cooper to have put all of that together so quickly.
1: Well, as I said, it, it has been going on for some time. So the I mean the the guiding principles in the building management code are universal around the world. It's exactly the same guiding principle to maintain the common property of any, you know, any building anywhere in the world. But we now have state specific codes because obviously each state has state has different state legislation. Mm. So, yeah, the tricky bit is just interpreting the legislation in a way that we can practically use it on a committee, really.
0: Yes, and I suppose the code is for building managers, for strata managers, for committee members and for owners. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. It's for anybody who's involved In the maintenance of common property so if you're a strata manager coordinating and arranging quotes and service contractors you need the code if Mm -hmm. you are a mum and dad unit owner in apartment 501 you need the code if you're sitting on an owners corporation executive committee or a a body corporate committee you need the code if you're a facilities manager or a handyman building manager this is your go-to reference guide for your industry
0: Mm. And what is it that makes it so critical? What is it that's in the code that makes it so important for all of these different stakeholders to to get stuck into?
1: Well, Amanda, you would probably be the best person to understand <laughs> that there are over 100 acts, regulations and codes of practice that impact on the compliant maintenance of common property. Mm. So if you are a lot owner or sitting on a committee organising the maintenance of common property, you either need to go and refresh yourself with over a 100 pieces of complicated legislation, or you get yourself your handy code, which mm. is your guidebook to that legislation. So you either go and get a law degree to understand <laughs> all of that, or you get one book, which pulls it all down into practical terms. For example, work health and safety legislation, the Act is about 700 pages long, the Mm -hmm. regulation another 700 pages. There's about 1,500 pages right there of Act and regulation. And then there's another 20 or so codes of practice. So for mum and dad sitting on the committee, working out what their obligations are and how to discharge those obligations under work health and safety legislation, the reality is that there's only about seven or eight actions that you need to take and keep records of Mm. but what are we going to do spend a year reading complex legislation trying to think how we could practically take action to discharge our obligations no just go to (laughs) the 17 of the abma building management code these are the few things you have to do and you have to keep doing them in this format and yeah so
0: It's easy for everybody. Great. And the code has been in use, I suppose, up in Queensland for a little while now, I think. Is that right? Yes,
1: yes well, we published it and got subscriptions underway Fab. in January this year. So yes, we're we're promoting it here. It's been a fabulous uptake in Queensland. It's been unanimously embraced by all factions of our mm. sector. It's uh we we do get people who are a bit confused about what it's all about, but once they understand and we give them a little explanation, it's uh, it's just a no-brainer. It's so easy for them.
0: Mm. And have you got any stories about some buildings or some managers up there in Queensland or anywhere else who have been using the code and have been doing it successfully? What are some success stories?
1: Well, Amanda, I could go on all day with the stories, but I'll tell you the stories from this week. So that, okay. so we, wow. <laughs> so this week I had a building manager calling in a panic the Work Health and Safety Department had issued the body corporate up here in Brisbane with an improvement notice for failure to provide a documented safe system of work for the common property. They were in a, oh, what do we do, what do we do? And I said, well, Chapter 17 of the ABMA Building Management Code, you need to do these things. So within two days, the committee and the building manager were able to work via, they subscribed, they got their code delivered to them in the post the next day. And they sent a draft to me to review of their safe system of work two days later and bang, off a couple of tweaks here and there and off they went. So that was one example. I had another young fellow, he's just purchased his first set of management rights here in Queensland Uh and he wanted to develop and implement a building management plan for the scheme that he's now working on. So the ABMA code is actually a recipe for how to develop a site specific building management plan. So he was just asking about the ABMA templates that we have for building management plans. So there was another day today. Mm -hmm. I had a phone call yesterday afternoon, a chairperson for a body corporate committee here in, in Brisbane again. He was letting me know that the facilities management arrangements they'd had for three years with one service contractor were coming to an end. And he wanted to understand what intellectual property records and so on and so forth should be harvested from the outgoing facilities manager to hand over to the incoming facilities manager. Mm. So I referred him to Chapter 5 of the Building Management Code, which lists all of the documents that committees should be ensuring are going from one service contractor to another service contractor. So, look, the list goes on and on. It's just a day-to-day reference guide.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. As you travel around the country and you're introducing the code to the different states, are there any misconceptions about what people think the code is and it isn't? So, you know, now's your chance (laughs) to clear those up.
1: (laughs) of course says that you know there's as many perceptions on things as there are humans in the world I find yeah. <laughs> but, but one of the common misconceptions is that there is a, a belief or a fear that the ABMA building management code may be introducing new standards right. or that all of a sudden I'm a, a caretaker and now I have to do more work mm. so there is a misconception around that so I just want to make it clear to everybody that the ABMA building management code is a guide to existing standards, Mm. to existing legislation. We're not introducing any new standards. Some people will say, oh, I don't need the code because it's not mandatory. (laughs) Absolutely, it's not. But if you open every page, every page contains information relating to mandated standards. So, Please don't think it's imposing additional duties on you. As um, one lawyer practicing in the body corporate space here in Queensland said recently, if you aren't doing what's written in the code, well, then you're not doing your job properly.
0: Mm, Yeah. And tell me about the review panel. How does the review panel fit into all of that? So
1: the independent review panel, as I said earlier, is a cross-sectorial collaboration. When Paul and I were building up our business plan about 18 months ago, we identified that there's a large number of breakaway factions within our industry, and we saw an opportunity to pull those factions together. We felt that the industry had lost focus of what was best for the building. Mm. So we've got in terms of building management team, we've got the building owner and its committee, we've got a building manager or caretaker, handyman or facilities manager, we've got service contractors doing maintenance of the fire protection system, plumbing and, and electrical work. We've got a strata manager assisting with the administration under the strata legislation. We've got, from time to time, lawyers, sinking fund forecasters, project managers, engineers. There's a big group of people. Mm -hmm. We were finding that there was a tendency for the stakeholders in the building management plan to be a little bit Mm self-focused. So we wanted to restore the focus back on to what is best for the building, what is sustainably the best thing for the building and the investment that we all rely on at the end of the day. So we thought that the only way to engage all stakeholders was to form a group where the upper echelons of each faction could be invited to contribute. So that's the very first thing we did So we thought, well, let's get the body corporate lawyers in, let's get the building manager lawyers in, let's get all the industry associations. And we had seven or eight lawyers in the same room, which is really (laughs) all getting along, I hope, (laughs) all getting along swimmingly. And so we're quite proud to say that we now routinely are able to bring together various, not factions, but sections Mm. of the industry. And some of the things we're working on are are really dependent on these factions collaborating. Mm -hmm. For example, the ABMA, we see ourselves as a regulatory bridge. We bridge the gap. So when there's a change to the fire legislation or Australian standards around maintenance of fire protection systems, you don't see the regulator giving information to the industry. You fumble around in the dark trying to work it out for yourself. So the ABMA supports the regulatory bodies by dumbing down, no offence people, just <laughs> dumbing down complex legislation in ways that make it easy for us. So we need to collaborate with everybody to ensure that the message gets out and we and, We deliberately set about maintaining integrity. We don't have members or we don't sell anything other than the code and we don't take sponsorship. Mm. So we're completely independent. Mm. We wanted Yes, we are the impartial voice of the whole industry. And we only deal with what's best for the building and what can be justified under legislation.
0: Mm. So, Linda, there's probably some listeners wondering, of course, how they can get their hands on a copy of this code. What states is the code covering at the moment? Whereabouts? Which of our listeners in which state are going to get some use out of the code? Can you just fill those gaps in for us?
1: Sure. Look, we we did our test area in Queensland. So we have a hard copy version of the ABMA Building Management Code available. Purchases are very easily done online with a credit card. You can purchase an e-version, just a digital version if hard copy is not your thing, or you can purchase both the digital version and the hard copy here in Queensland we now have released the e-version, the digital version of the New South Wales edition and the Victorian edition. Oh, great. They're available. We won't print hard copies until 2017. This is an annual renewal. I should tell our listeners mm-hmm. that um, the Building Management Code is an annual subscription because legislation changes, you know, like mm, sure um, on really. <laughs> so um, in order to keep up with all of that, we publish a new edition on the 1st of January every year. So we will have hard copies and digital copies of the 2017 version for the whole of Australia, for every state and territory in Australia available around December this year. But if you want to go straight away now and start benefiting from the guidelines in New South Wales and Victoria, just go on to www.abma.com.au Click on the code order form, your tab, and you can purchase an e-version straight away. Fabulous. Yes, hard copies in Queensland only at the moment.
0: I always ask the guests on the podcast to let us know what the action steps and the quick wins are for our listeners and I think today this one's a simple one. Go out and grab yourself a copy of the code and yes. have a look through.
1: Well, that is definitely the first thing to do, equip yourself. It's instant. Is one of the wonderful things about our technological age is there's instant access to e-versions of books but what we're finding is – people are really excited to implement the code to enjoy the benefits and efficiencies and and get their compliance in order as Mm. quickly as possible. And it is a daunting document. It's some 500 pages long. So what we do, we have partnered with training organisations that are doing little half-day utilisation workshops. Great. So these are tailored specifically for committee members members A trainer will come to your, um, your scheme, to your meeting room, to your committee meeting, and just walk you through the utilization of the code. It's so it's relevant to your scheme. So there is a service around um, Australia that we are partnering with trainers to, to provide that. It's very cost effective. Mm, good idea. Yeah. And, and then you get to um, really tailor it to your scheme straight away.
0: Yep. Get the most out of it. And is that something that the listeners can find out through your website? You've got the information about the training there as well? Yes. Look, we've got more ways of
1: contacting us than you can post different <laughs> So you go on to the website, we've got a free call number, we've got a a help email, we've got a public comment form, which I wouldn't mind saying, Amanda, that unlike other legislative publications or guidebooks, this is a community document. If you are reading it and you don't agree with something or you're confused or you'd like more information, we have a public comment form where anybody at all can register a comment, recommendation, a suggestion, a question. All of our public comments are reviewed by the independent review panel at each quarterly mm. seating. We do reply to you straight away. But if it's, it's an add to the code, we do get the independent review panel to consider it. So we want the whole of Australia providing their feedback, because this is a first go at this. So mm. if we've gotten something or missed something, we look to your listeners to to contribute and get the most out of it.
0: Mm, Definitely. Now, I first heard about the ABMA code when I had Kelly Wright, a fellow Queenslander, uh, on the show. And I asked her this question, Kelly, what books have you been reading lately? And she said, well, I have this very interesting document on my desk. It's called the draft ABMA code. And she told us all about it. And of course, now it's completed and out there having been birthed into the world and congratulations on that. So, but of course, what I want to ask you, Linda, is what books have you been reading? What books have had uh, an impact on you? Well,
1: well, if Kelly is relaxing reading the Building Management Code, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably just as boring as her, to be honest. My my reading tendencies go towards non-fiction, ancient history. What oh, I like. lovely. I, re- I just finished reading The Queen of the Desert, and I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a, it's a biography of a woman born to a wealthy English family in the 1860s, and she did not want to be married and have children there were four women that graduated from university in England and there were four of them that went together. She was one of those first four and she got a university degree. She actually went to university with T.E. Lawrence, oh, Lawrence yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and they went off and um, did quite a bit of work, not together, but they bumped into each other in the Arabian Desert where they mapped out landmarks for the First World War and so on and so forth. And wow. she became very um, powerful in the monarchy of Iraq and I know is all very boring but I love this no, sort of stuff. I love the stories of these women that um, branch out they follow their hearts they they defy tradition mm. and um, she was highly supported by her dad and I had a very similar dad that really encouraged me to be a little bit Left of center, <laughs> and I just noticed when I was at a hotel room recently that um the Queen of the Desert is now a feature film. And oh, Nicole there you go. <laughs> oh, okay, I haven't heard about it. Oh. It's true oh, so it's not a very exciting movie, I believe. But <laughs> we'll I like read it. the
0: book first.
1: <laughs> so yes, it's. Uh, I love the stories of women that are doing something different yeah. and really enjoying their lives.
0: Oh, great! Thank you for sharing that, Linda. I'll make sure there's a link to that one in the show notes so our listeners can check it out. Now, before we wrap up and say goodbye, anything else you want to add and how do we find out more about you? Well, listen, I'm just so
1: happy to speak to anybody and please just go to www.abma.com.au. I'm a bit of a, uh, one of those zombie type workaholics and all I really do is (laughs) live for my work and happy to help people in any way that I can. So yes, please don't be shy ring me, send me a um, a request on LinkedIn or just get in touch. Happy to chat to you. Sounds great.
0: great. Great to be here. And thank you so much for chatting with us today, Linda. I'm sure there are many listeners out there who will be making contact and wanting to learn more about the code. I've seen it. Uh, I highly recommend it as a, a Strata lawyer here in New South Wales. Uh, I recommend it to building managers, to committees. Uh, and I know there's a few lawyers up there snatching up copies as well. So go and check it out. Thanks so much for your time, Linda. It's
1: my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?